the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 101. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you today? I am good. I'm good. Thanks. It's uh, a little chilly here in Austin. We are coming out of a cold front. It's been cold. We're very cold in Texas. <laughs> it's below 30. You're not used to it, right? No, we no. aren't. But it's kind of sad because uh, everything had bloomed early this year. And then we had a couple of nights that that froze. So um, I know I'm a little concerned about my poppies because they were all up and a few had bloomed, but many of them were ready to bloom. And I don't, I don't know what's going to happen now. I don't know if they will. We'll have to see. I look forward to you celebrating your poppies every year. I love my poppies. Yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> I know you do. I, I used to have them around here. They're, they haven't been sprouting up anymore, but I love, I love poppies. They're so beautiful and delicate. I know. I know. And so anyway, we'll see. Check in with Instagram stories. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll cover that in my stories. We only put the most pressing things in Instagram <laughs> stories, right? I mean, really important car talks and food and like weather. And yeah. We put, and flowers. Those yeah. are important. And beauty, very actually. Important. Yeah. That's very important. important. Um, well, I am still basking in the glow of our 100th episode. I know. That was fun, wasn't it? It really was. I'm really glad we did just us. I am too. Yeah. I really, I really am. Yeah. I kind of felt like it was, uh, you know, choice B or whatever, but, <laughs> um, but I'm glad that we did it. I'm glad it was just us. It was yeah. a little celebration. It's like it being a little party. It was nice. Yeah. And I like what you did on Instagram leading up to it. And sharing the things that you do creatively and in recovery and just, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. That kind of came to me just because I was, you know, having one of my thought thought downloads in the early morning and I thought, you know, I need to revisit. It's it's good to go back to, go back to the basics like you were talking Mm -hmm. about. Go back to your roots. Go back to why you started doing what you're doing and revisit. And so that's what I did on Instagram. It's still up there. It's just, I didn't post it to stories or anything. It's just up in on my Instagram feed, but I kind of shared every day leading up to our 100th episode, things that I'm doing creatively that, you know, fill me up. Yeah. I loved it. Um, well, even though I didn't post things like I had planned and the days would get away from me, um, your post inspired me and reminded me of some things. And I, I was at the school library, Sandra, uh, and it's so great to go to a college library, right? Oh, and, right. And to the art section. Oh, our, our librarian in Petaluma, she is um, an artist, a printmaker, um, and she is a library science, you know, she's a librarian and also an artist. So the shows, the art shows she has at our library are incredible. 
Oh, that's great. And the art section, the books are fantastic. So she's into it. And I just gobbled up some books and thought, that's what I'm going to go do. I know that Sandra reads a lot and I have, I'll out myself here, but I have not finished one book this year. I haven't finished anything. And I feel like I just, I'm not making time for it. I'm like on the computer all the freaking time. Ooh, and I need yeah. to make that a priority. I miss it so much. And in early sobriety, I was got me thinking when you were saying like the things that you would do, the library was a really huge part of my early recovery. Oh yeah. Same. You, know, still, you would just gobble it, it gobble yeah. it. <laughs> and I was alone a lot, you know, and I just, I ate books. That's like, that's what I did. I just kind mm-hmm. of, I made a little art logo. It was called, I eat books. And it was this little boy with a crown on his head. I have to find that. But I would just get lost in my own um, curiosity. Mm-hmm. And you helped remind me of that. And I just realized lately by looking at my Instagram feed, I'm like, I'm not making art. Oh, yeah. I'm dabbling. I'm following up on some projects. I'm on the computer all the time and I'm so tired of it. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with the computer. I'm (laughs) done with the computer. I know, I know we were going to talk about this off air, but we're going to, but I'm going to bring it up. You asked if I was going to do the 100 day project. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking I might do it if I didn't have to post it every day. That just means more time on Instagram and the, or or the computer. And so I don't know, I'm going to have to think about it because I'm the same. I'm, I'm done being on the computer. As a matter of fact, I've had days in the last month where I haven't even opened my computer once. Now, it's not that I haven't been on my phone a bit here mm-hmm. and there because I certainly have, but I'm not even opening my computer, just not even doing it because yeah. it just invites a whole host of things. If I want to write, I do it with a pen. Yeah. I'm having a reorg here of my thoughts and our interviewee that we're having on the podcast today really prompted me to think about a lot of those things. Um, and we can get to that when we, when we, when we introduce Dawn, but just about working all the time. And, and you've really inspired me because uh, we talked about boundaries on this past, on a, an older episode. And I was thinking about your hard stops, you know, mm-hmm. like you saying you start hard stop at five. Mm-hmm. Hard stop. I'm not good after five. <laughs> no, I already know this yet. I push on till 10, sometimes, sometimes midnight. And I'm like, and I'll tell you what, Sandra, lately, what's been happening to me I don't need to get into the gory, boring details of it. I'm messing up a lot on a lot of different things. Oh, right. And it's you're not being able to give it your full, you're burned I'm, out. You're done. Totally you're mentally done. done. Yeah. I made a really big accounting error in my personal life that shocked me into a, kind of like a come to Jesus moment. All these things have been building, all these little things, feeling overwhelmed, going, oh, everybody's busy. Every woman I know is busy. I'm no busier than anybody else, which I think is true, but I feel like I've reached this point where I'm just going to crack soon. Mm -hmm. And so when that big accounting error thing happened, I was like, you made a simple mistake that just made a really big impact on your life Mm. because you've been just trying to do everything. Right. Uh, It it almost comes to the point where you have to weigh things and ask, what is this, is this costing me? Yeah. Pushing it until 10 p.m. What, what is the cost here? I'm seeing it in my personal life. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, and the, the Instagram, I love Instagram. You know, I do. It's like a creative outlet. It has felt like a job lately. 
and it feels, um, it felt like, and nobody is, nobody is keeping track of that stuff, right? Nobody, I, I want to enjoy it like I used to, but I was just looking like, I'm not making anything to share. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I don't know. I feel like I'm at this weird spot. And um, I think I just need a real heavy reset, a real big right. pause. Because so. like we say, nothing changes if nothing changes. <laughs> right. <laughs> asking for help and just all these little things. And I just, I keep hearing them in meetings and talking with you. I hear, and I'm, I'm re-listening to old episodes. And I was like, I know the medicine. I just got to take it. Mm-hmm. Have to make that, make it happen. So I don't know. That's been kind of swirling around for me. And I don't know, again, milestones, right? Just hit the four year, just hit the 100th episode with us. Like milestones seem to, there seem to be like a little you know, you think about things differently, kind of ponder your life when you have those kind of things happen. Oh, for sure. I'm so, I'm just so proud of our 100 and all the listeners that, oh my gosh, so many nice new people donated to our Patreon account. (gasps) I know. Uh, And all the comments in our Facebook group and yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, and we will talk about this offline at some point, but I got, I, I got some uh, fresh ideas about uh, Patreon. I know that a lot of our sweet supporters have said, you guys do enough. Um, and we do do enough, but um, I don't know. I thought, I thought about some things that maybe we could offer in the future, future, not, yeah. not anytime soon, but I got inspired with some ideas that some other um, creators are doing. Yeah. And so anyway. Well, that's nice. And then one thing I, I, I do want to hear about those. And then also something that someone said in our group, I forget where I hear things now on Instagram, our group. Um, but someone had mentioned because we'd shared last episode, how easy it was to donate. And maybe we haven't said that in our Patreon bumper. Um, so maybe we can redo that at some point, but the link to donate, it's super easy because it's in the SoundCloud show notes. So when you click on the episode, there's links to Sandra's website, my website, Caitlin Schumacher's website, who does our music, and our Patreon account. Mm-hmm. So it's super easy. So if you're driving and thinking like, oh, I got to do that when I get home, it's another thing to remember. If you want to do it from your phone, it's super simple to just to click on the link in the SoundCloud. Right. And they do take a uh, credit card or PayPal, I think. Yeah. So yeah, if your so PayPal is already something set up on your phone, that's pretty easy to link up. It's just like we've been doing it for so long and I forgot, you know, maybe we need to tell people how easy it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thanks to the listener who pointed that out. I was like, oh, that, that's something to share. Yeah. Um, I loved our interview um, with Dawn. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Do you Forgive need to promote me. anything? I do need to promote. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> See? Um, my Groove course um, will launch today when this airs um, on March 11th. And so if you're not signed up and you want to, it's not too late, um, but today is the day. It's $33 for 11 daily emails with an essay, quotes, uh, suggestions, slash homework, but I don't like to call it homework. And um, you get a live call with me at the end of the session on March 22nd, 2019. And the last month call was really awesome. The ladies were engaging. We had a fun hour together and I forgot to record the call. Oh, bummer. (laughs) So they're all coming into the March call. So it's going to be really fun. So if you want to sign up, link is on my website and in my bio and just where I told you on the SoundCloud thing too. Cool. Well, I'm going to mention one thing too. It's not, um, 
it's not even written on the calendar yet. It's something that I'm thinking about, but I'm thinking about doing a pop-up. Um, like it's just maybe in my backyard, even like a little soiree. I almost kind of want to simulate what my space will look like someday. I don't, I just have this vision in my head, like actually even maybe videoing it. And um, I haven't decided when I'm going to do it yet. I thought about maybe doing it the same weekend that Becky Vollmer's here in oh, April, yes. but she's going to really be like coming in and leaving. Cause I thought, Oh, I could have it the next morning and everybody that came in for Becky Vollmer's workshop could do it the next day. Haven't decided that yet. She's got to leave. She's going straight to Dallas from, right after her workshop's over. So she wouldn't be able to come, but I don't know. I'm throwing that out there. If anybody listens to this and you're in the area, maybe you're coming to Becky Vollmer's uh, You Are Not Stuck workshop in Austin at Suka Yoga. I think it's April 14th. Um, maybe you're coming to that and uh, maybe you're coming in especially for that and you're going to stay the night, Saturday night, and you're going to be here on Sunday. That could influence my <laughs> right Choice of dates. So anyway, let me know. Oh, that sounds really fun. That sounds really fun. Becky's coming here, sleeping on my couch for a couple of nights, going to the beach together and hanging out and Very she's fun. a workshop in Oakland on March 30th. So um, at Anasa Yoga and it's, um, she's been posting it in our secret Facebook group and it's on my Facebook page as well. If anybody wants any data on that, but she's, she's a gem. Yes. All right. Well, good luck with right. that, Sandra. I'd like, I, wish I, I wish I was your neighbor. Okay. I know. I do too. <laughs> well, let's, let's introduce. Why don't you start? You want to start with? Yeah. Okay. So um, today we have on the podcast Don Nickel. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dawn if you don't know Dawn Nickel. Uh, she is the visionary behind the She Recovers movement Started and started her recovery from a substance use disorder and domestic violence in 1987 and also identifies as being in recovery from cancer, codependency, grief, and workaholism. It was on an extended leave from work to deal with burnout in early 2011 that Dawn began to create and hold space online for women in recovery to connect with themselves and other women and the She Recovers movement was born. Dawn is, is trained as a certified professional recovery coach. Uh, she also holds a PhD in healthcare policy with a focus on women who experience issues related to mental health, addiction, and intimate partner violence. Her greatest joy in life's purpose is to help women find recovery, realize their potential, and support other women to do the same. Dawn is currently writing a book to support that purpose. Uh. She is such a wonderful human being. Yes, she is. Oh, and if you don't know about the She Recovers uh, movement, I'll, I was going to tell you guys a little bit about that. Um, she Recovers is an international movement of self-identified women in or seeking recovery from a wide variety of issues, including substance use and eating disorders, other behavioral health issues, trauma, abuse, codependency, cancer, grief, low self-esteem, uh, <clears throat> perfectionism, <laughs> and other life challenges. Uh, we envision a future where women from diverse backgrounds have the access, resources, support, and freedoms necessary to cultivate individualized and holistic pathways in order to find health, sustain long-term recovery, achieve their potential, and help other women do the same. 
So She Recovers creates welcoming spaces and transformative opportunities online and, and in real life to connect, support, and empower recovery, recovering women. And if you want to find out more about them, you can go to their website at sherecovers.co because they're in Canada. And on Instagram, you can find Dawn at recoveringdawn, D-A-W-N. And on Instagram, she recovers is at she underscore recovers. And on Facebook, you can find the She Recovers page as well as the She Recovers Together page. There's about a quarter of a million people, women following that. Right, right. She also has a secret Facebook group, and um, I think that's I can't, the She Recovers Together, right? I'm I'm not sure what it's called. It's a secret group, though, like our secret Facebook group. Mm-hmm. You want to be in that group? Oh, just message Tammy or I, and we can get you in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a great conversation with her. I know we had uh, about an hour of her time, and we wanted to honor that. So, um, yeah, we'll let you guys get right to it because it was packed. Enjoy, Don. Good morning, Don. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Don. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Don, tell our listeners where you're chatting to us from so that they know. I'm in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Just looking outside, we're having a little bit of a windstorm whip up, so it's going to be an interesting view out my window for the next (laughs) hour, I think, but uh, on the West Coast here. When we chatted with Seattle. Yeah, when we chatted with Peyton, uh, she, so she's in Ottawa. Help me with my geography, Don. Yeah, Ottawa Don. is on more on the East Coast. So if you think about um, where, let me think, where New York is, mm-hmm. you go straight north and over a bit, you'd end up in, in Ontario, the province Ontario. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Ottawa and Toronto are both in Ontario. So you guys are, are far away from each other. You're on separate coasts. We're three hours apart for time zones. And um, yeah, Dara, our other partner, or sorry, our other event producer is in New York City. And Shelly, our other business partner is in Miami. So <laughs> Taryn and I always have to get up at 630 in the morning for calls. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we can work for everybody. Yeah. We had, we We've had actually just it. asked them to change it for a while after three years. We said like, we just need to not get up. And the first thing we do is get on a business call. Right. But yeah, the time zones are a thing. Yes. We yeah. Understand. So thanks for making time for us. We know that you're a busy lady. Oh, we all are. Yeah. Well, Thank yes. You. Women are freaking busy, right? <laughs> we are. <laughs> well, John, we're, um, we record our intros separately. And so we've done your intro by the time we've gotten to this point. But um, can you let our listeners know maybe uh, a little, like Sandra said, a Cliff's Notes version of how you came to the decision to quit drinking. And we want to talk and jump off from there into all the beautiful, wonderful things that you've created. But we want to okay. give them a little bit of a background and, and then we can go from there. Sure. Thank you. My, my guess, uh, two things I want to say is that when people ask me kind of about my recovery entry or my, my entry into recovery, I always have to pause because I want to say, which thing, which thing are you talking about? Right. Um, So the quick, because we're all recovering from something, but definitely the beginning of my recovery journey started in 1987 when I went to treatment for um, alcohol, cocaine, pill, and marijuana addiction. And I was 27 years old. I had two little kids and I'd spent the previous 10 to 13 years, I guess, just kind of experimenting with drugs and alcohol and, and had actually figured out very quickly. By the time I was 17, I knew I had a problem and that I shouldn't use substances. Uh, And the indicators were that I was ending up in overdose in the hospital, 
that, you know, I ran away from home, I quit school, I was hanging out with um, people much older than I who were doing things that much older people do. And it was just kind of a, often a dangerous situation. So I knew by the time I was 17 that um, in, intuitively, I guess, is the point. I knew that this was not the road I wanted to carry on going down. Um, that all indicators were it wasn't going to end nice. I had my very best friend died. You know, other people around me were dying. And this was in a day when it wasn't the opioid epidemic that we have going on now. You know, things were pretty sane in the late 70s, believe it or not, compared to what's happening now. So I just never really followed my gut. I just kept trying to um, moderate or, you know, try a different drug or, you know, not drink as much for about, well, from the time I was 17 till I was 27. And then I ended up, I was in a very abusive marriage, uh, physically abusive. And, and that kind of is what brought me to my bottom. Um, I needed to get out of that relationship and I couldn't do that if I continued to numb out and get loaded. So I went to treatment to deal with um, the trauma of the violence and the all the drugs that I'd become addicted to. And I would say I did pretty well, you know, in terms of how everybody's recovery story kind of unfolds as we do. Um, I haven't had a drink or done cocaine since July 21st, 1987, which is going to be 32 years this summer, which blows mm. my mind. Mm. No kidding. Uh, but for the first couple of years, I smoked a lot of pot. Like, I mean, a lot. I mean, like every day, I think. So um, in 1989, I went back to treatment and have not smoked any marijuana since 1989. Um, and then, you know, the last... 29, 30 years, it's just been um, a process of what are some of the other things that have happened that I've had to recover from that have kind of brought me to my knees, quite frankly, and made me redirect my life. And I would say the last thing that's happened for me was workaholism. And um, I hit a bottom in 2011, actually in February. So it's eight years this month. And that was probably the most transformative moment of my life because I had run out of all the things I think, um, that could absolutely destroy myself, my family and my body. And I, I got really serious about my recovery again at that point. Mm. So is that, is that enough or? That, that is, you know, I'm always curious, Don. I've heard your story before you've told it on the bubble hour and you've been on other podcasts, but I'm always curious, how, how are you about asking for help? Because I'm assuming you were a single mom for a while and, mm -hmm. and then you said you had another bottom with workaholism. We all struggle with that. Yeah, I, I would have to say I am better at asking for help mm -hmm. at this stage of my life, you know, in my 50s, um, but I'm not great at it. And I think it, it's not that, I'm, not that I'm afraid to or nervous about it. It's just it doesn't always occur to me to do that. Right. Do you know what I mean? I it's know. Like, it's like, a, like if something finally hits me, I go, oh, you know, so-and-so has been through this. What? Then it's like, oh my gosh, of course I'm going to ask that person for guidance or, or for their experience. But I don't know what it is about, I, I guess I do know what it is. I'm just really independent and self-sufficient. And I just right. I try every other avenue before I, the light comes on and I go, oh, I think so-and-so might be able to help me with that. So right. I'm not resistant. To yeah. Like, like I need to figure this mm -hmm. out. Surely I'll yeah. figure this out. I know. Yeah. When, when you hit the bottom with workaholism, was there a, a point there that you could share with our listeners about what that looked like for you? Yeah, I can, because I think it'll really relate, you know, people can relate to it. It was, um, it was one of those, it was kind of a gradual unfolding of this really unhealthy behavior. 
Um, it started when in 20, 2005, I was finishing up my PhD. You know, I'd gone back to school in recovery after I got clean and sober. I went back to school and I stayed for 13 years. And I was, you know, it was culminating with a, my completing a PhD. And I had, I was getting ready to prepare for my dissertation. And so in 2005, I ended up in the hospital and, and it, you know, in emergency surgery and was within an hour of my death. And it was revealed that I had a, a, a cancerous tumor in my colon that burst my colon. And so I was septic and that's why I was so close to death. And so that was kind of insane. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, I moved to, we moved to Victoria a, a couple of months later. I did chemotherapy for a year. I had stage three colon cancer and it, the way, something, the way the, the um, colon had been perforated, the outlook for my survival wasn't great. So I spent a year doing chemo and thinking I was going to die and actually not depressed at all about it in some sort of elevated emotional, spiritual state. I just tried to make that the best year of my life if it was going to be the last one. And, and I did. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And then at the end of the year, the doctor gave me an all clear. And I remember two things. One, like, oh, my God, I'm going to live. And the second one was, oh, my God, I've spent so much money. I'm going to be in debt forever. Mm. Um, mm. But of course, I was just happy to keep living. So when I when I got the all clear, I kind of at that point, I do also remember thinking, wow, I was addicted for so many years of my life. I wasted so many years. And then I was in school for 13 years and not a waste, of course, but that was like a big chunk of time. And now I've just had a year of cancer treatment. I'm so behind on life. I need to really get moving. Financially, I needed to get moving. You know, in terms of my career, I needed to get it going. I had amends to make up to my family because I spent so much time in, uh, like my schooling was like a workaholic phase, I realized, right? I, I'd spent so much time focusing on my schooling. So rather than kind of change my life, oh, I've got, can you know, I've just survived cancer and I can live happily ever after if I just take it one day at a time, I started going full tilt, mm. trying to make up for what I saw as um, having missed, you know, perceived that there was, oops, sorry guys, I'm right. just, I'm trying to turn off my email because there's D's coming up and I don't know how. Oh, we just, we roll with that too, Don, okay. if you can't yeah. figure it out. <laughs> uh, it's fine. All right. So then the only other interruption is my granddaughter, Marley, comes for Mondays and she just came in to say hello. Aww. Hello. Hi, Mark. How are you? Oh, you have glasses on today. Can I have a hug and a kiss? I have to go back to work, okay? Mwah. You look adorable in that turquoise dress. I'll see you in one hour. Okay, okay bye. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> right. how, old, how old is she? She's three. Oh, sweet Aww. thing. Incredible. Yes. Sweet thing. So she's my antidote to workaholism. Yeah. So, anywho, um, where I ended up was just going faster and faster and trying to make up for lost time. So what, what the end looked for, like for me, was um, over a period of six years. So from two thousand and five years, two thousand six to two thousand eleven, eight years ago this month, I decided that I needed to teach you teach. Oh, sorry. I was going on the cancer. I, I ended up de defending my dissertation in the boardroom of the Dean of Medicine at the University of Alberta Hospital because I just really needed to get it done. Then I came back to Victoria, did chemo for a year, then started back to work. I was teaching at the University of Victoria. Um, I was doing chemo so I could only teach one class per term for that year. I started doing consulting work in the areas of mental health um, addictions and intimate partner violence, which is one of my areas of expertise academically and academically. 
professionally. And uh, eventually, within fir the first year, I was headhunted into government to lead, a to lead a large research team. So within a year of surviving cancer, I, I was running three careers parallel, mm -hmm. full-time, each one. Um, wow. That, yeah, it got really, really crazy. At first, I was good. You know, I would only, you know, I wouldn't work on weekends. And, and then, then I was just only, I wouldn't work on Sundays. And, and then by the end of the six years, I was working probably 18 hours a day, every day of the week. Mm -hmm. And so the end looked like it would, whether you were drinking or doing drugs or in a love addiction relationship or gambling or anything else that we find ourselves addicted to. Mm -hmm. um, I was lying to people about how much I was working ah, because yeah. people were noticing it. I was sneaking work. You know, I tell the story often that I would, I would go into our guest room with my laptop in the middle of the night, turn it on and work. And I would actually do that under the covers because if my husband got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I didn't want him to see me on my computer. Wow. And, um, you know, my relationships were falling apart. My daughters would say, like, they stopped asking me to do things with them. And they'd moved here to Victoria to be with me because they thought I might die. And here I was, you know, every time they wanted to do something like go to a movie or go for lunch, I was too busy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then just the inside stuff, right? I was ashamed because I knew that things were spiraling out of control. I was obsessed with perfectionism, so I was always stressed out. I started having panic attacks um, and having emotional breakdowns. And so the bottom for me was twice in one week at work, I burst into tears in, a, in an executive meeting. And in one of them, it was with, um, there was actually an assistant deputy minister, which is quite a high up role in the room, as well as my executive director. And I burst into tears because my executive director looked at me funny. <laughs> mm, right. And so uh, anyway, I knew you were raw. You were a raw nerd. I was a disaster. I mean, yeah. I was at, at my bottom and I'd been struggling because I had been trying to moderate, to stop working, to, you know, take a break from it. I, you can't become abstinent from work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I had been trying for so long to get a grip. That, and I think then just that repeated failure at getting a grip was weighing on me. So yeah, I just, I fell apart and I drove home the, set, the day, the second day that that happened. And when I pulled into our driveway, which is about a 12 minute um, drive from my old office, I got into the driveway and I turned off the car and I realized that I had no recollection of getting home mm. and that, that I had real no it was blackout and it was I had no real recollection even of the day other than and again it was just like waking up in the morning and not knowing what you had done the evening before all I remembered was that I had cried in this meeting that I was in I didn't remember why I didn't know how anybody had reacted so when I went in the house I ramped up my computer of course and I tried to kind of glue my day together what I had done in the morning who I'd spoken to what meetings I'd been in and I just knew, like, I was in trouble, that this blackout was finally kind of something that, that knocked my senses into me. And I, I made it, I decided I wasn't going to go to work the next day, which was a Friday, and that I was going to go see my doctor. Um, and I went to my doctor. And, uh, yeah, and I just told her that I thought I was losing my mind and that maybe I had Alzheimer's or something. I really couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, but things weren't going very well. And, and I moved back into denial about what was really going on for a while. And I don't think people talk about workaholism, right? So it's this thing that you're, you're, you don't even know to call it that. You just think you're losing your mind. 
Well, and the thing about workaholism is a great term for it Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people can relate it to work, but it isn't just people who work. You know, since I've been sharing about workaholism this past eight years, oh my gosh, it's eight years. um, I've done a lot of research on it as well. And it's, if you're out there and you're just one of those people who never has any downtime. Yeah then it's the same thing. It doesn't have to be work. It doesn't have to be paid work. Just be busyness. It's busyaholism. What, Don, in your opinion, though, what do you think is the, is the root of it? Uh, is it, are you trying, are we trying to find like our self-worth through our work? Um, is it like an identity thing? Um, I think it's, it's all of those things. And uh-huh. you know, I think it's the same. It's, it's just another another avenue for numbing out. It's just another opportunity to um, try and prove that we are enough, that we are worthy, that we look at us. You know, it's um, a lot of women who write, who write their recovery stories of workaholism do talk about how in their younger life, you know, they, the only attention they got was from doing or Mm. from being. So in many cases, and this is my case, we were, you know, the only real place that we got, um, recognition from our family was when we excelled in school or, you know, excelled in maybe there was something that we, a sport or dance or something. And so that we're, we're trying to kind of recreate that um, approval seeking mechanism because we can't give ourselves that our own approval. The other, the other part of it is I, I truly believe this is that we just, we wire our brain, our, our brain gets wired into this system where, we do, we get acknowledged, we do more, we do, you know, we go harder because we want more acknowledgement. So it's just, it's seeking, it's, it's adrenaline seeking for me. With I was going to say the adrenaline and then like the dopamine hit from the recognition and yeah. yeah. And I would, yeah. And I would say adrenaline is particularly at play here. Like the seeking of adrenaline is particularly at play with workaholism. Think about it when you're working on a project or you're running an event or you're, you know, you're, you're doing something and you've, you've got a deadline and you've got a really giver you know that you like I get off on that yeah you can you get kind of high and it is that feeling is sort of addictive it's like god if I could just run here all the time look how much I'd get done (laughs) yeah right yeah so I think that that's it and I, I just think like like any addiction like any unhealthy behavior whether we're addicted or just um you know behaving in a way that is along the spectrum of addiction uh I I think it always goes back to those core issues from our childhood um, Mm -hmm. that we, we can deal with, you know, we can find ways to heal and grow from. um, But those are the things that that I always go back to. Right. So for me, it was always, it still is always, am I enough just being me? Mm -hmm. This this podcast is made just for me today. I want you guys to know. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, Don, Don, I'm so glad we're talking. How did you, so I'm curious, how did you untangle all of this? How did you get healthier? How did you step uh, back and figure all of that out? Well, I went to my doctor, as I said, and I just said, like, there's something going on with me. And and we kind of talked a little bit about what had happened. And and she said, um, you need some time off. Like you're actually, you're, you're on, your, your nervous system is on complete overload right now. And you need to unplug and step back and you need to rest. And we don't even know what we're dealing with here, she said, until you kind of do that. 
and then we can recalibrate. But first, we just need to like totally take you down 14,000 notches. That's got to be hard, though. Oh, I just looked at her and I said, like, you mean like a couple of days off? Right. She said, <laughs> no, like, I mean, it's going to be a long time. It could be months. Wow. And I was, you know, there's just no way that was going to happen. But I did eventually agree to take um, a couple of days off. And to be honest, as soon as I, and I went home, what did I do? I, I came home and I think I just told my husband, you know, and I hadn't heard him for, I don't know, months, maybe years, but he just looked at me and, you know, to be fair, he kind of looked at me with a little bit of disgust and said, oh, okay. So like, you're going to listen today to what your doctor told you. Everybody who loves you has been telling you for like three or four years. What's so special about today? Mm. And, you know, that really hurt. And, and yeah. I did, I, like I unplugged for just a couple of days. Cause I thought I'm going to completely unplug. I told my work people, you know, very, very hard for me to give up control. Control is a big issue. But I said, I'm like, literally, I'm taking two days off. I'm not checking email. I'm not doing anything. Don't phone me. Pretend I'm dead. I'm just like, I need two days. And in being unplugged in two days, I had nothing to do but actually reflect on how screwed up I'd become, on how messed up my life was, and how the I had ended up in a place that was the opposite of where I'd always wanted to be. You know, when I when I gave up the drugs and the alcohol and the unhealthy behavior and, you know, the, the abusive relationships, all I wanted was peace and time with my family and time enjoying the simple things. And I had lost, <clears throat> lost touch and, and track of all of those things. And it really only took me a couple of days to realize how messed up I was. Um, and then I decided I would take more time off. And I, th I think we kind of went week, we, for, for the first week or so, we went week by week. And then um, after about three weeks, I realized that I'm going to be off for months and went on short-term disability and kind of set up all that paper. And then, then I knew that, I, okay, now I've got from that point, three months, I ended up being off for four months. And I knew at one point that I had three months ahead of me to really do this work. And I settled into it. I started seeing a therapist. Um, my daughter was a yoga teacher <laughs> handily. I started doing yoga. Um, I was, you know, I am a member of a 12 step program. I have to say the last few years, it's, it's been, it's not been a huge part of my recovery, but it's always there. It's always something that I utilize as one of my tools. So at that time I did start going back to um, a 12 step program for people who struggle with drug addiction, just to hear the message, you know, the hope and the recovery. Um, and I started reading, you know, I, I went on a website called workaholicsanonymous.org. I purchased their literature. And for anybody who's questioning whether or not they have this thing called workaholism or busyaholism, I recommend that you do go to their website. And if you look, there's a, there's a tab on their website called Our Literature or Literature or something. And in there, you'll find um, really amazing PDFs that you can print off, things that are like the characteristics of workaholism. Um, and then um, the gifts of rest. I think there's another one that talks about what recovery looks like, you'll recognize yourself immediately um, if you have this thing that I have. Um, it's really, really awesome literature. I've never been to a WA meeting, um, but I have read a lot of literature right now. I, I just purchased a daily meditation book by a woman who is um, who wrote like daily meditations for workaholics. And there are a few other um, daily meditation books out there. And it's just amazing literature for anybody who finds themselves, even if you're just on the cusp of way too busy, mm 
Mm -hmm. um, I just bought a book called uh, Breaking Up with Busy for mm -hmm. women who do too much. Um, my daily meditation book that I've had forever, I think I got it the first Christmas that I was in recovery from workaholism, is um, for women who do too much. And I've seen amazing. that. Amazing. It's a lovely, lovely book. Um, so yeah, I guess I just kind of started exploring what it meant in the same way that when I gave up drugs and alcohol, I started exploring what is this going to look like for me? Mm. Um, there's some really, really helpful, um, they have the steps, of course, they have 12 steps, um, which I've always been too busy to actually complete a full <laughs> set of steps or, or, you know, never taken the time to do the full set of steps. Right, right. Um, but I'd like to, you know, I think that one day I will do them, but one of the tools that they introduced that's really helpful, um, I forget what it's called. I should have grabbed the books and brought them down to my office, um, but they're beside my bed because I read them every day, mm -hmm. every night. Um, it's like your bottom lines and your high lines. That's what it is. And so they ask you to set bottom lines. So like my bottom line is on Mondays. Um, we, it's called Marley Monday around here. My daughter works four days a week. And on Mondays, we have her the other days she goes to daycare. So on Marley Mondays, I don't schedule anything from about nine in the morning till four in the afternoon when she's usually with us during those hours. And it, it becomes about her and taking care of attending to her. And actually, my husband takes most of the care of her, but I'm here just to hang with her and play with her. Um, so that's my bottom line. Um, other bottom lines would be things like, you know, turning your computer off at a certain time of the day and not working on Sundays. Um, everybody's bottom lines are different and mine are in flux right now. So um, that's why I'm actually focusing very hard on the literature again, because I need to reset my bottom lines because I had set them. And then I just, you know, I've kind of, we've been, here you go, right? Here comes the justification, but there's just a lot going on right now as she recovers. And so I, I've had to kind of cross my own lines and, and I've done so happily and I've tried to negotiate with myself, right? Okay, I'm, I am going to work today, although it's Sunday, but I'm going to stop at noon and, and those types of things. So it's constant, like it's a yeah. constant framework for it. Right. And it sounds like any, any recovery that we have to constantly check in, we have to, we have to, it's a daily reprieve and we have to constantly adjust and pivot and, and check in yeah. with ourselves. Yeah. A recalibration all the time. I think of when I think of my morning routine, like, and like what you're saying, your bottom lines. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's never the same. It might be the same for a couple of days, but it is always a tweaking. Um, and then it's like, for me, I'm sure like what you're saying, like you have to figure out, am I going to read more? Am I going to go to more meetings? Am I going to, yeah, draw some lines, some new lines. Exactly. And I think it's easier for, perhaps it's it's easier for people who aren't creatives or entrepreneurs. Maybe not. But if I knew that my workday was nine to five because I go into an office from nine to five, it's easier to manage that than being an entrepreneur and a business owner. I agree. Like if there's I... a lead, if I've got somebody wants to talk to me about sponsoring our upcoming Creating Connections tour, I'm not going to say, I'm sorry, I can't speak to you until tomorrow at six o'clock because I don't work on Tuesday. You know what I mean? No, I, like, I know, I know, I hear you. Yeah. So, um, but that's, you know, I have to be careful that I don't use that as a justification to just go hog wild on work. So I am in a process now of, um, you know, I, I ordered this new book. I reordered my Workaholics Anonymous book because I give them away all the time because mm -hmm. I'm 
you know, I'm always, oh, you're a workaholic, you need this book. <laughs> and, and then I give it away when really, you know, this one I've committed to not giving away. If somebody else needs one, I'll order them one, but I need to get into this one. I need to really read it word for word and pay attention. So that's my goal. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced almost two years worth of content and have over half a million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing and appreciate our weekly consistency, you can be a patron of this show for as little as a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. Oh, that's, well, all these things, how they intersect and relate, that's, I mean, that's the, you're having the tools of, of wanting this life, you know, giving up drugs and alcohol, like you said, and this goal of what you wanted. And then to recognize that or to know that you needed to ask for help in some way, Don, and then mm-hmm. to actually listen to it, sit in it, be super uncomfortable. I'm sure it was really freaking uncomfortable. It was I mean, devastating. <laughs> yeah. It was devastating. Because um, when we're that, the busyness, um, sometimes, I mean, like I said, all women are, bu- like every, every person is not just women, men are busy too. But there's this thing, like, I don't know what, it feels like an insatiable hole to fill sometimes, you know? Um, and I think when, with getting sober and, and kind of what I've heard when I heard your story there was that um, I feel like I'm making up for lost time too. You feel mm-hmm. like, um, oh, let's go. Like, yeah. okay, now I'm here, I'm fully present, I'm in my life, and I have to make up for something. And what is that about, <laughs> right? Yeah, I that, mean, that's that not too. being enough. That's about right. I'm not enough, right? Totally. Not enough just being like, wow, you know what? We've arrived, we've got here. We're, yeah. we're present, we're healthy. Mm-hmm. Let's just be in that. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking too, back to your year that you thought you were going to die when you had cancer and you were going through mm-hmm. chemo and how, you know, how that, that kind of, that way of thinking can be a gift almost, um, you know, like, like you're living, like this is, this could be your last year yeah. and what are, what is important? What are your priorities? And I still go back to that all the time today. Um, like that. You know, like that the way I look at it, I've had two potentially terminal illnesses, addiction that I almost died from. And like, literally I was within an hour of my death in one overdose, I'm sure. And then um, cancer, again, within an hour of my death. I mean, if, if you don't take that and do something with it, then shame on you, right? And, and that's, you know, maybe the shame of, of it was part of it too. When I hit the wall eight years ago, was like, gosh, I was given this gift twice and I've just been pissing all over it. What is that all about? So I really, really do try today as much as, you know, I'm still, it's, it's still a renegotiation. I'm not in, I'm not in crisis with my workaholism. I don't mean to give that indication. Um, I'm renegotiating and kind of figuring some things out because the new normal and, you know, our new schedule and, and the things that we've got going on are going to demand a lot of me and all of our team. And we all are focusing on, okay, what makes sense? We, we tried to do the unplug Sundays. Like we were all going to unplug mm-hmm. and like Peyton and I were just cheating away every Sunday. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kind of, oh, okay. So yesterday and even yesterday, Shelly said, okay, no checking email or anything today. And I just finally copped it. I said, listen, I am working today because I'm not going to work tomorrow, but thank you for the reminder. Right. It's right. Uh, 
but it is just about um and our society it's like again this is I, you can relate everything back to well, I could be talking about wine instead of work. It's the same thing, right? You end up, you know, you end up at this place where you're like looking back when you stop drinking or you stop working workaholically, the shame and the guilt and the remorse and the, you know, and what, what am I going to do with my time? And all of the same things happen. And just like wine is such a big part of women, like kind of the female culture, I guess, you know, all the work that people are doing around that um, work being busy, whether it's work or volunteer or with, you know, running your kids around, being busy is a badge of honor for women. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally it, glorified. Totally. Like, glorified. I really, I try, I, and I, I don't do very well at it, but I really try not to say I'm busy anymore because mm-hmm. I, it clangs in my ear. I go, oh, gosh, there's that word again. You know, I, I try to say life is full. Um, True. Yeah. Or, a different framework for it, a different, a different, um, uh, word yeah you're right it kind of can shift it can shift it right right or life is meaningful and you know yeah. and that can that can apply to anything whether it's time yeah. with your family and you know and time you know serving your purpose career-wise or however you're doing it right when you had this downtime Don, I um I believe this is this when the Facebook group was born when she recovers when you can you can you tell us a little bit of how that started I know. Well, what happened was I started blogging. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about my story is that in my deepest addiction, like when I was in an abusive marriage and, you know, thoroughly addicted to cocaine, cocaine and champagne, that period of my life. Doesn't that sound? <laughs> sounds, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, actually living in an A-frame on the ocean, on the coast. I mean, it was just, I always look back at it now and it was like insanity with a view, man. It was insane. Insanity with a view. I love that. It was incredibly, <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous. But um, anyway, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. What was the question? Um, oh, how you, you started blogging. Oh, right. First. Yeah. yeah. And you're writing, yeah. Something about that time. I was always, you know, I used to journal as many of us do. And I remember being uh, in that A-frame you know, being battered and battering myself and my own body and, you know, trying to uh, take care of my two little children. And, you know, like there was lots of money and, and like everything looked great on the outside and I was just dying on the inside. And I remember writing and having to hide my writing. And I, I, I decided that I loved writing and I was going to write. And um, I purchased a typewriter at the time. I mean, this would have been like 1980. It was just before I went to treatment, like 1986, purchased a typewriter, bought this, I can't remember, it was something you got out of a magazine where you could take a how to be a writer course, mm-hmm. did the how to be a writer course, started writing, and um, I remember telling somebody that I was a writer, my mom was with us visiting one day, and it was a new landlord we were, when we were moving into the A-frame, and I was trying to convince them that, you know, that we weren't drug dealing crazy people, that we were actually quite normal, and, and and that I was a writer. I said I was a writer. That's how I made my living. And of course, my mom, you know, she's dead now, but she laughed for years. She said, remember that time you just said you were a writer? And I, of course, I wasn't a writer at all. I, you know, I wasn't anything except a, I was a drug addicted mom in a crazy relationship. But I set that intention that I was going to be a writer. And I wrote off and on through the earlier part of my um, recovery because I was always writing steps. And when I would write steps, I would go, oh, this is actually a really good stuff. I should be a writer again and or still or now. 
So when I went on my leave eight years ago, I started blogging and I started a blog called Recovering Dawn and I fell back in love with writing and, and wanting to write. And I was writing about workaholism and about recovery and all the things. And, and I wrote every day and it was very meaningful to me and I loved it and I realized I wanted to do more of it. So when I went back to work after four months, um, I, I only went back to my government job. I gave up consulting at that time and I gave up teaching. And I knew that I had to work really, really hard, that my job was to work like a normal human being. And, uh, and I did that for about five months. So I, I knew that I couldn't blog every evening and work all day. So at that time, when I went back to work in June 2011, I switched over to Facebook. Taryn suggested that I do it. I had a Facebook account, but I never used it. I didn't even know what it was. I actually ended up setting up a She Recovers friend account instead of like a fan page originally and now I still don't know how to get rid of it so it's on <laughs> he recovers friend and they're always trying to friend it and I don't even know how to get into that account anymore or get rid of it so June June 2011 we start I started the um, Facebook page with Taryn's help and was blogging went back to work and stopped blogging um, and in November of that year I got laid off um, the downturn in the economy worldwide had created an opportunity for um, the branch that I led to be disintegrated because we were cost recovered. So all the work we did had to be paid for by other departments in government. And our um, executive director was afraid everybody was going to run out of money. So they dissolved our unit and everybody lost their jobs, which was devastating for everybody else on my team. But because I was management, I got a really beautiful package, like a beautiful kind of go and sit on a beach and figure out who you want to be and how you want to be in this world package. And I'm so grateful for that. So now I had, not only did I have, and to be honest, I had actually nailed in the working like a normal human being thing in those five months. So I was quite proud of that. But um, so then I had a year to figure out what I wanted to do and decided that I wanted to do more with this. She recovers thing, which was at that time, just a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started planning our first retreat for November 2012, and I took a recovery coach training course. Um, took a year, or well, actually took 18 months. It was supposed to take a year. So I just started kind of moving in the direction with this year off of no financial worries because they were paying me. I would say they were paying me the same as I made when I was working, and I didn't have to pay for lunches or pantyhose or coffees mm-hmm. or anything. So I was actually <laughs> ahead of the game. And I just kind of started moving into this She Recovers thing. Um, for a year and I was I couldn't work for government so I couldn't even do consulting because I I was being paid by government under um, my package so I wasn't allowed to charge them to pay me to do consulting work so at the end of the year um, we had completed our first retreat Um, I was I did go back to consulting my most of my clients are government clients Uh, I had given up teaching I've never gone back to teaching at the University of Victoria and yeah life just started unfolding in the direction that well now we here we are so many years later with she recovers and um i'm doing what i wanted to do and the probably the most hilarious part of it is i'm writing a book like i'm writing my book Mm -hmm. and although i beat myself up for so long about not writing the book because i started to write the book back when i started blogging eight years ago and you know i've stopped and started so many times and what I've come to this last time I mean now that I actually have a chapter framework and I'm you know I'm writing pretty well every day I'm working on it a little bit and I have concentrated periods of time every week where I devote to writing um I I've just landed in this place where 
the book is called She Recovers, and She Recovers had to be birthed and brought along to a place where mm. we've got a team that's taking care of a lot of the things. And now I have something that I really believe I can write about, my philosophy about recovery, all of the, you know, the intentions and guiding principles that, that I've been writing and working with all these years. Now I've got all this meat to put on those bones. Mm -hmm. Like this yeah. is the exact right time for this book. And I have no regrets that this is yeah. where I'm at with my writing. Yeah, it wasn't ready. You weren't ready yet. But now, yeah, it sounds like this is going to be an amazing book. I had to create what it was before I could write about what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear that. I've heard that from, was it Glennon Doyle has said that before too. I think something to that effect of like, you know, you, just, you have to live it first before you can write about it. Mm -hmm. And I think um, sometimes in the beginning of recovery with journaling being such a big thing and writing being is definitely part of the process. Um, I think uh, I've heard Laura McCowan talk about how, you know, she just could never quite f figure out what the, what the gist of her book was going to be, the view that she was going to take, the voice she was going to use, but you kind of have to live a little bit longer to figure that out. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what you had to do as well. Yeah. And you yeah. have this beautiful team that you've built up around you. Um, you know, your daughter, Taryn um, Strong yeah. and, yeah. Um, and Peyton and Dara. And now you said Shelly is a new partner as well, right? Yes, she is. It's amazing. She's down in Florida. Yeah. Miami. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And so does that feel, do you feel, um, I'm, I know you have so, so many different things that you're doing and in, in events, and, but does it feel um, like what you thought it would feel like? Does it feel like it's just unfolding naturally? Yeah, absolutely. Everything has been very organic. And, yeah. um, you know, I guess what I would say, what I've been saying lately is this, this year is about taking all the organic matter that, that has kind of been developing and tying tying it into a strategy rather than here's a strategy let's develop it it's like okay now let's pull all the pieces together yeah something that so that's that's really kind of the process that we're in right now well and um, it looks like you're also letting your team members kind of do uh, kind of take off on what and highlight their strengths like for instance Tara's doing she recovers yoga and and a podcast um, and the right right we're going to talk about that the podcast and aren't you and your sister doing um like a coaching program yeah. or not not a coaching program but a yeah yeah an like online yeah six-week online group coaching program my sister and i and meg lewis another one of our coaches yeah for sure yeah and, yeah. and it is about it is about um letting other people step into their glory and, and do their thing right you know peyton's creating created she recovers dance right you know taryn is taryn's doing so much more and she's also taking on a lot more of the kind of the executive function piece of things so yeah it, it, it is time i mean it is about this year for me and when we set our intentions on our team it is about me and i'm not very good at it like really getting out of the nuts and bolts of everything which i'm not doing very well right now i mean if they're li they were listening to me right they'd just be going oh my god <laughs> laughing and rolling their eyes <laughs> that's okay but it's I all work getting, in progress don right and i am getting there and it is very much about as soon as i know that every single little you know kind of the the this framework for the tour we're so close to having it done. like we're just nailing in the final dates and then i step back and it's like okay dara go for it do it let's implement it um you know and I don't have anything to do with yoga because God knows I have nothing to add with yoga. I'm, I'm the, I'm the non-yogi in the group, 
Um, Me too, Don. See, we are. My middle name is Don. I'm feeling. I'm feeling <laughs> so close to you today. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, it is about letting go and and, and focusing on what I want to do now, and and it's exciting. And and uh, I guess what I would say is, what all you know, the question is kind of, do you are you getting something like, are you getting what you intended out of this? Mm-hmm. The very first thing that I got out of this thing that turned into she recovers was when I was blogging. And I would write about my mom dying and recovering from that or recovering from cancer or, you know, recovering from drug addiction or whatever I was, what I got out of it was when somebody else would come on and leave a comment and say, you know, share their experience and tell me that somehow just reading what I had written had helped them. That's the thing that I think drives me always when somebody even on Facebook you know just and and it doesn't have to be me anymore but when somebody goes on our Facebook in our Facebook group and says you know blah 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 something happened and 20 40 60 people go on and go yes exactly and in my experience you know I mean that's still what I'm looking for I'm looking for that connection and the support that I see whether I'm a part of it or not that's what I want to create and that's and that's what's there. And that's what's there regardless of whether you have five cents or not. You know, I mean, the, the Facebook group is free. The, the meetups that we're, that we're organizing out of our foundation, they're free. You know, that's, it's this kind of creating the space for women to connect, support, and empower one another is what She Recovers is all about. It's really that and our 10 intentions and guiding principles, which just put another layer on what that means. You know, what connection, support, and empowerment means for us. It's so simple. It's such a simple model um, because all you need is two women. Who right. Have- I, was, mm-hmm, I was just going to say in the end, it just comes down like sister to sister, hand to hand. And yeah, that's, um, and that's something, that's just the, that's the, the basis of it all. Yeah. I know it's been your experience as well to create that type of space. And, and, uh, and so you step back and you watch and you don't have to be a part of it. Like you don't have to be in it just you can just watch it unfold it's a natural organic unfolding of what women need and what we want and what we're able to do and provide for each other absolutely and that 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 kind of always I would say like just to be seen and heard right that's that's kind of the crux of I think what every human wants and um, when we have that with one another and for women for sure um yeah, there's just some magic that happens there. And you're, so when you're, 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 you're um, guiding principles and when you say that we're all recovering from something, that mm-hmm. speaks to so many women. I mean, it applies to everyone, every human. Yeah, that's but, the, that's but, for, but I think that it's so beautiful because it doesn't, it doesn't have a label. It doesn't have a, a stigma. It doesn't have, it's just this really beautiful thing that you've um, the way you phrased it, Dawn, the way you've created it. I think that's why women, it just absolutely resonates with. Well, and I think that that's, other than the fact that it's absolutely true, mm-hmm. I think it's quite intentional that we, we that's our jumping off point. You know, I, I use the example of women who come to a retreat or a workshop. And, you know, in the beginning, we might say, tell us what brought you here. That could be what you're recovering from. It could just be, you know, how you heard about us, whatever it is. And, and the number of women who have come and, and just, you know, been cautious about that and said, oh, I'm here be- just because I heard about it and I wanted to check it out. Or, you know, I'm here because um, uh, addiction runs in my family and I want to understand it better to help other people. 
you know, just people can disclose what they want. And, and the women who, you know, I can tell you now, some of the women who are my closest friends now came to She Recovers, not disclosing that they were the person that addiction was running through their life. You know, they said it was running. They weren't lying. It runs in their family. It was, they're the ones running with it. Right. Because you made it so inclusive. Yeah. And, and it's not scary. Like, you know, right. and, and God bless 12 step programs. I would not be here without mine, but you know, you know, from listening to women all over through all these years that we've all been doing this work, they don't want to, they don't want to sit down and disclose or, or admit even ponder whether or not they are that word, you know, and, and it's, it keeps them away. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, I always joke and I say, you know, that one of the things that's happened and she recovers is a lot of women come in and they, you know, they are absolutely never going to those meetings again because they went once or twice or whatever. And, and it wasn't for them. And for some of those women, after a number of years of connecting and communing with women in recovery through our platform and the people they meet through us, you know, they get to a point where they're going like, I'm going to go to one of those meetings because I want connection. And now I'm strong enough to go in and I'll say what I want to say about me and my recovery. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a backdoor thing for getting for people to find their way into a 12-step recovery program, which I think is really beautiful. I don't think it's for everyone. It de- just definitely isn't. Um, but it's for more people than we think after a while. People kind of come to it on their own in some instances. I like your, that backdoor. Yes. We've been seeing that in our, in our groups as well. Like people um, having a little bit of sobriety under their belt first and thinking like, I still need in real life. So I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a try. Exactly. And, um, and really a lot of support within our Facebook group too, of people saying, yeah, give it a go, you know? Yeah. But I think you're right when, when, if it's, if it's not for you, I mean, I didn't walk into the rooms until I was seven months um, sober. And, um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's the factor. I think I did the back door too. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Well, John, you, so I know uh, there's lots of things going on. You, you mentioned a tour. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is about? Yeah. So we, um, I think, as you know, we did, she recovers in NYC in May, 2017, and that nearly killed us. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) And then we did, um, she recovers in LA this past September, which was, which didn't kill us. And it was so amazing and we loved it so much, Mm -hmm. but Um, we knew before we did it, I mean, we knew planning it that we were not going to do anything in 2019. It took, it takes everything, right? I mean, yeah, it's a big, it's a big event. (laughs) And and so we, we did, we decided that we would do something. We weren't going to do anything. We didn't know. And then we decided, yeah, we're going to do something, but we'll do it in 2020 because that's far enough out. And quite frankly, now the third time around, what we're finding is we have so many systems in place it does get easier every time. So we're going to do She Recovers in Miami, May 1st to 3rd, 2020. We're extremely excited about that. We're going to be making some announcements about that in March. What are the dates? May 1st? May 1st to 3rd, 2020. All right. Perfect. In Miami. And yeah, so we'll be launching registration, hopefully by the end of March. Um, but what we decided we wanted to do in 2019 was, um, because, you know, we have these event producers, right? Dara's our exec event producer and, and Peyton is like, just every bit as talented. They're very, very different, but so complimentary. Um, we wanted to do events and we decided, well, let's just go from city to city and do one day events. I know, you know, Tammy, you were at our sacred pause workshop in San Francisco yeah. a year ago in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of something like that, only a little bit different. We're calling it our creating connections tour and um, the tag or the 
economy or colon, bringing together recovery seekers, service providers, and advocates. So the intention nice. is a little bit different. It's really to get into a community and let people know what exists. So we want to invite, um, in some cases, it's treatment centers. In other cases, it's you know therapists or, or, or nonprofits that do work in eating disorders and trauma and violence, like all of the things. And we just want to kind of bring people together to have a little bit of a, a connection and conversation. So it'll look similar to a sacred pause in that there will be delicious food and connection, <laughs> you know, a long period of kind of eating and connecting. We yeah. always like to go an hour and a half to two hours just on that. I thought it was great. That's yeah. key. That was a really important component. Do you have a schedule set or yeah. is that still developing? It's, it's, it's close to being nailed in, but I can tell you. Um, and then we'll also have speakers and in most cases, there will be yoga, but yoga will be either at the beginning or the end of the session so that it's kind of optional. Mm -hmm. That's for you and I, Tammy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in the corner. There you go. So we're going to be in Chicago on April 6th, and we're launching that this week. Uh, and that's an evening program so that we actually end off with um, candlelight yoga. Nice. Oh, that sounds nice. lovely. And I mean, even I would go to candlelight yoga. Well, if you can do savasana the whole time, just later. Right? Well, I mean, nice. I do that in the light of day too. I do that <laughs> every retreat. But. Me and Don need to have our own yoga designation program yeah. where we just stay in savasana. It's called yin yoga, I think. Right. right. Exactly. Perfect. Um, so that, and then in June, we're going to be in Toronto, June 9th. We're going to Nashville, August 3rd. Wow. Ooh, I know. Um, Seattle, September. Oh, sorry, Vancouver, September 8th, Seattle, September 14th. And then I can't say for sure, these are the two that we're nailing in this week. In October, we'll be in uh, New York. Ooh. Um, and I don't know if that'll be Brooklyn or, or like where, downtown, I don't know yet. I think we're looking at somewhere in Midtown. In November, San Diego. Very oh, exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a nice little little tour there. Yeah, and you know, we're just, we're inviting people to speak. We'll be um, introducing our coaches at each of the events, you know, so that people in the community know that they're there. Because yeah. all of our, most of our coaches are starting She Recovery Sharing Circles where they live over the next year. So it's about, you know, letting people know that we exist, but also um, letting everyone know, you know, what else exists in the community for women who are seeking support. Mm. Great. Wow. And these are also more accessible too for, for those people that can't go to the big, go to the yes. big conference. Yeah. And we're going to have, um, we're going to do a sliding scale registration so that, you know, I think the way it looks is there's like three prices, right? One, if you need a subsidy, one, if you just want to pay what it really costs. And then for anybody who's able to pay a little bit more, that will help subsidize. Nice. I like that. Yeah. It's very thoughtful. Um, what I wanted to ask you, I know we're, we're getting towards the end of our time, but I wanted to ask you, so is Taryn doing the podcast on her own or will that be with you, Dawn, or for She Recovers? So, um, Erin Wickersham, who's our blog manager uh -huh. and Taryn will be doing, and it's a very different podcast. Here's what I think. I think there's so many, it's more like a blog cast. So there are so many of you doing great work with podcasts out there. Um, Taryn's been wanting to do a podcast forever and I've just been saying, we don't, you know, this, I, I would like to find the time to listen to the excellent podcasts that are already in place. I don't know that we need another one. Um, let's just support the ones that are out there. And 
so we came up with this idea, or Aaron and Shelly, our new partner, came up. Shelly actually came up with the idea originally, and then Aaron and Taryn kind of pulled it together. And that is, we have such amazing people in our community. We want to reach out to them and kind of have them contribute um, some of their writing, like a blog post or whatever they're writing, some beautiful pieces of writing, and then have them do an audio recording of their writing. And the podcast will just be audio recordings. Oh, that's so interesting. So like 10 minutes, 15 minutes max. Of, we might reach out to you guys to say, who do you think might want to contribute? Oh, I know someone, uh, Sandra. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Sandra, Sandra. <laughs> but yes, yeah. we can help you with that. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. Did we have sound cool. It does. And, we, and you're right. We have so many talented writers that you know, write about their own specific things too. I mean, it it just really speaks to the whole mission behind She Recovers, I think, because everybody has their specific thing. Yeah, we're all recovering from something. And, you know, the other most important principle for us is that we have to be supported to find and follow individualized pathways and patchworks of recovery, right? So not only is the content like we're all recovering from something, but it's, and we do it about a million different ways. So, right. Right. And that's what I think is so interesting when we are tuning into podcasts and reading blogs and we're just gathering, we're gathering all the tools, right? And that, that changes all the time because what we're listening to changes all the time. That's right. What we're reading and who we're, we're learning from or what therapist or what kind of therapy we're even going to. When you, when you talked about that, about, um, the, the tour and going and, 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 and I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue tied. I was, what came up for me was like, I don't know anything about EMDR therapy and I have, I don't know where to go to ask mm-hmm. or to think about that. I know people in recovery are talking about it yet. I don't fully, which I know I can go Google something too, but yeah. it's almost nice to kind of hear someone's experience and to kind of uh, push off from there. Yeah. So, okay. I love this idea for the podcast. That's great. Well, if Taryn I do too. help, I, I think I messaged her something one day, but if she needs any help. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, you know, We don't know and a ton, but. Do you guys have a launch date or is that still pending. Uh, it's tentative right now but it, it's like a- april-ish april-ish Ooh, okay okay mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good month to launch a podcast right sandra i think so it really is <laughs> that's when we did that's when we did oh there you go yeah oh that's great okay so miami is in yeah we still are doing our retreat miami is may 1st to 3rd 2020 our retreats, you know, we've got two coming up in Mexico in May, um, a couple of spots left there. July, we've got three going here on the West Coast. Two of them are full. One of them has a few spots. Right. Oh, we're going to we're going to Kripalu at the end of March, actually. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And is that where the dance um, will... Um, Peyton? She's going, yeah, Peyton's going to do like one dance class um, to launch it. Wow. Yeah, I know, that right? so awesome. Yeah. Oh, I and just then, love how everything's blooming. It's so awesome. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. So cool. Well, we want to talk to you forever, but we know you have um, these lines that you need to keep and you have your granddaughter there and we're going to let you go. But we wanted to ask you at the end of our show, Dawn, um, we share always three items that we call our unruffled toolbox, things that keep us kind of calm and not agitated, which can be recovery related or creative related. Um, Mm -hmm. Are there three things that maybe help keep you on the path that keep you unruffled? Yeah, just. There's so many, Um, (laughs) but if I have to nail them down to the three that are working for me right now, and I mean like today, right here in front of me, um, probably, uh, what's the word? I don't know what the word is. It's what I try to utilize is 
continuous self-reflection in a way that isn't continuous um, criticism. So mm -hmm. can, like, I, I, I'm always trying to reflect on, okay, where am I at? Like, how am I really doing with this? And right now it's around my workaholism, right? And so I just think about it and then I think about, how, okay, so for today, what am I gonna do differently? Today, what, we're gonna go to the library. I'm not taking my phone with me. There are some things coming up today that I should, even though I'm not working per se, I should be watching for some emails because there's something important that I have to sign. But it's not going to get signed while I'm at the library with my granddaughter. And that's not going to be the end of the world. Um, you know, sometimes it is the end of the world because we're on the West Coast and something has to be signed by end of business day on the East Coast. But today, you know, it's okay. I'm going to sign it when I get home if it's in my inbox. So it's just kind of like, where am I at today? What's my workaholism like today? What's my plan for moderating and, and taking care of myself and my intention and keeping my word to myself, which is today's Marley Monday. So that's what I do. So my tool is just kind of like an inventory. I don't take it at the end of the day every day because I'm exhausted. But, right. <laughs> but I, you know, I try and kind of set up my day. So it's kind of a self-reflective exercise where I'm going to plan out my day. And that's really helpful for me, you know, kind of do my bottom lines and my high lines. Uh, the second thing is, and I can't say enough about this, it's lattes. I bought an Aero, <laughs> you know, I bought an Aero Chino frother. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I've never been so happy in my life. Ever. I love that. <laughs> I swear. Like it's just I'm oh my gosh. Like I a little know. indulgence, right? That it's at your house. It was a hundred dollars Canadian, 80 US. Mm. And it's the best purchase I've made in a really long time. I absolutely love it. Love it. And then the third one really um yeah, you know, I guess the the tool is um, making sure that I'm connecting with people I love every day and saying, saying yes to social, like actual face-to-face -face interaction, whether that's with Marley or, you know, going out on a date with my husband, you know, we don't really have dates. We go out and I give him less things to do, but we call it. A <laughs> um, I, I like that. You know, try, I, I try to say, you know, like I want to see Leanna, one of our coaches and a dear friend, she lives here in town we do work together but you know we also get together just to kind of play and, and visit and catch each other up so yeah i guess my tool is just my tool it sounds awful but it's kind of like forcing myself to have mm -hmm. in real life interaction with people no it's that's a real that's a real struggle that's yeah. a real thing yeah so at least once a week i do things today i'm going out for lunch with a fellow who a dear friend of mine in recovery you know his wife has terminal cancer and, and i haven't had a visit with him other than a quick one at, at dinner um, for my husband celebrated 30 years clean last week a few weeks ago oh, congratulations. so you know we kind of caught up for a few minutes and I was like we need to catch up so we're gonna go for lunch on Wednesday things like that you know just really making time for people I guess is my tool making time for people yeah, yeah. I like that uh, well thank you for making time for us Don yes um, thank you Don you two are amazing I think oh. you're just incredible and um, what you do for the, you know, the hundreds and thousands of creatives in this community, this movement that we're all creating, co-creating together uh, is so well appreciated. You know, I love being able to direct people to your podcast and to, and to your work. Mm. And, um, you know, Tammy, t I have to apologize. Taryn was here the other day and she saw my gratitude book that you sent me. Uh -huh. And she was like, Oh, I didn't get one. And I said, I don't think so. And of course you did send one for her and I had, it was buried in another pile. So <laughs> yeah. kill me. She's like, wait a minute. And yeah, so now 
if she hasn't thanked you for it, but that's her mother's fault, not hers. <laughs> well, I remember because I wanted to mail it to her and you're like, you can just mail it here. So next well, time if you want to yeah. mail you something, I'll be like, can I get, I'm going to ask Taryn directly for her address. No, this, is, this is her mailing address actually. And I usually, oh, as soon as I get something, I put it in a pile for her, but somehow this didn't get in her pile. Well, maybe it just needed to sit there a little bit longer. It's all right. <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, Dawn, thank you so much for all that you do. Um, we appreciate it. We love it. Thank you. You do support the podcast so much and do share it with all of your people on Facebook, which we're always like, oh, Dawn's so sweet to us. So thank you. We really appreciate it. Yes, well, we'll thank it. you. We'll do it even more regularly when we and when we get a social media intern or assistant. But yeah. we have us too. Right. Where <laughs> well, are those? Find one, where let, are those let us know. Let us know. Yeah, we, I need one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Calling all interns. Cammy, <laughs> yeah. Sandra, and Don are looking for interns. <laughs> all right. Enjoy your day with your granddaughter, Don. Thank yeah. you. Have a great day. You okay. Too. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.